Bismillah walhamdulillah wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala amma ba'd assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we seek his divine aid we seek his assistance whosoever Allah as well guides then can misguide and whosoever Allah as well misguides then can guide I be with the satan as right to be worshipped except Allah as well alone without any partner and I testify to rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the final prophet and messenger. As for proceeding, inshallah, we continue our reading of Surah Al-Baqarah, trying to understand the meanings contained therein. Inshallah, with the implementation, with the intention of implementation and practicing upon it. Amin. So we stopped on verse 116, and Allah says, Ba'da rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Allah says, they say. So Allah Azza wa Jalla does not mention explicitly who makes this claim. But Allah says, and they say that Allah Azza wa Jalla has taken a son. Subhanahu, glory be to him. Rather, to him belongs whatever is in the heavens and upon the earth each and every single thing in the heavens and the earth which is under the control of Allah it is subservient to Allah so those who made this claim it refers to the Jews because the Jews said Uzair ibn Allah they said that the Prophet Uzair is the son of Allah we also know that the Christians they also made this claim they said that they said claim that Allah Azza took a son and the son being Nabi Isa والسلام, just like the Mushrikun in the time of the Prophet also claimed that Allah Azza had offspring they claimed that the Malaika were the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala right they claimed that the Malaika is the daughters of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Butagullah mashallah is laughing because this is an absurd claim because how can the Creator who is free and independent of his creation yani have offspring since all of the creation is in need of him subhanahu wa ta'ala yani and they are muftaqirina ilayhi they are subservient to him how then can he have a son or a daughter so Allah says subhana which means glory be to him and we mentioned that tasbih and saying subhanallah it means exonerating Allah of all imperfections in his names and his attributes and in his essence as well as the claims which the oppressors have made about Allah so when we say subhanallah it means we are glorifying Allah and that means that we exonerate Allah high above any imperfection and deficiency and all that which was falsely attributed to him subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah says, Subhanahu, glory be to Him. Right? Glory be to Him regarding this grievous offense and yani, oppression which they have mentioned. But in essence, they only oppress themselves by, by making this claim. But Allah Azawajal responds to them with patience and forbearance. Allah Azawajal does not take them to task immediately. For Allah Azawajal is a sabur. Allah Azawajal is the one who has the most patience. He allows them respite, perhaps they return, or He only increases them in their oppression and their kufr. 
and Allah Azza wa Jal is forbearing and grants them well-being and provision even though they attribute such terrible things to Allah Azza wa Jal. So this is out of Allah Azza wa Jal's all-encompassing mercy that He is Ar-Rahman, the most merciful to all of the creation. He is the most merciful to all of the creation, Ar-Rahim, the specifically merciful to the believers. So they make these claims about Allah Azza wa Jal, but Allah Azza wa Jal still bestows upon them blessings and He still grants them provisions and He still grants them yani all the bounties which they enjoy even though they make such terrible claims which are contrary to the majesty and the glory of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so Allah said for this subhanahu glory be to Him Allah says بَلَّهُ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ nay to Him belongs everything that is in the heavens and the earth meaning that all of these objects and creations it is his possessions and it is his slaves and he disposes their affairs in a manner which is befitting of a master who controls that which is under his control that Allah Azza does whatever he wants with his creation and all of the creation is in need of Allah Azza whereas Allah Azza has no need of them because he is Al-Qayyum he is the one who is independent of all of his creation where all of the creation is dependent upon him so if this is the case then how can any one of the creation be his son when a son inevitably will be the same like that of the father because the son will be yani, part of the father Allah Azzawajal is the subduer and the sovereign and we are subservient to him he is independent of the means and we are in need of him. So how despite all of this can Allah Azza wa Jalla have a son? This is the most abominable falsehood. This is the worst of all ab- ab- abominations. And being servant to Allah Azza wa Jalla because Allah says Kullullahu qanitun All of the creation is subservient to Allah. Firstly all of the major creation that we see such as mountains such as night and day, such as the sun and the moon, such as the rivers and the oceans, it is all obedient to Allah. They all submit to Allah Azzawajal willingly. And then we have the creation from amongst jinn kind and mankind. Some of them submit and some of them refuse to submit. But yet all of the creation is subservient to Allah Azzawajal. And how is this such? This is such since being a qanit, being subservient to Allah Azzawajal is of two types. The first is in the general sense, that all of the creation is subservient to Allah Azzawajal. Whether they accept this or whether they reject it, they are subservient to Allah Azzawajal. How? Allah is our Razak, irrespective of whether they affirm this or not. But they are subservient to Allah in the sense that they are under His command. They are under His divine decree. And no, uh, none of the creation escapes the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whatever He, he wills happens, whatever He does not will, yani, will fail to happen. So they are under Allah Azawajal's divine command and will. And in this sense, they are subservient to Him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is mentioned in the verse, the general sense. As for the specific type of, yani, qunut, 
of being subservient then it is mentioned yani in other verses like Allah says waqumu lillahi qanitun and stand for Allah azza wa jal devoutly this means the believers when they stand in the prayer they submit to Allah azza wa jal willingly and they are yani devout in their worship so being subservient to Allah azza wa jal of two types and all of the creation falls under the general sense the specific sense it is only the believers Allah says Badi'u samawati wal ard Allah Azza is the originator of the heavens and the earth that is he is its creator who created it in a perfect manner without any precedent when Allah Azza affirms the attribute of creation and Allah says Fatabarakallahu ahsanul khaliqeen Blessed is he, the best of creators. What is Allah Azrael speaking about? Because a person comes and he says, I created this work of art. Or, you'll say, I designed this car, etc, etc. Creation in essence means bringing something to existence without any previous example. Bring it into existence from nothingness. Every person who designed or made something, he used materials for it. Right? And that materials ultimately came from Allah Azza wa Jal. Fatabarakallahu ahsan al-khaliqin. So Allah says, He is the originator of the heavens and earth. And Allah then, Azza wa Jal then says, وَإِذَا قَضَى أَمْرًا فَإِنَّمَا يَقُولُ لَهُ كُمْ فَيَكُونَ And when Allah Azza wa Jal decrees any matter, He simply says to it, كُنْ فَيَكُونَ He says, be, and it is. And some Mufassirin like to mention that before the calf reaches the noon, that thing is brought into existence. <coughs> and even quicker than that. Quicker than the blink of an eye. When Allah Azza wa Jal decrees any matter, He simply says to it, Kun fayakun. And before the calf meets the noon, that thing comes into existence. That thing comes into existence. Nothing can be too difficult for Allah Azza wa Jal or beyond the capability of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We now look at verses 118 to 119, inshallah. Allah says, Allah says, And those who have no knowledge, those who have no knowledge say, if only Allah Azza wa Jal would speak to us or some sign would come to us. Allah says, the people who came before them said something similar. Their hearts are all much the same. We have made the signs clear to those who have certain faith. So those who have no knowledge, it is referring to the ignorant from amongst the Ahlul Kitab and others like them. They say, why does Allah Azza wa Jal not speak to us like He speak or like He spoke to the Prophets? If you claim that Allah spoke to you, then why does He not speak to us? Or some sign come to us. The second claim they asked or made or requested or why does a sign not come to us? Referring to the signs which they may suggest or demand on the basis of their own corrupt thinking and worthless ideas by means of which they showed audacity to
towards the Creator and arrogance towards His messengers. By way of these questions, because they really experienced the signs, and then thereafter they still requested other signs. And this was only out of their audacity towards the Creator and the arrogance towards the messengers. And this is like when they said in Surah Al-Baqarah in the earlier verse, which we covered in verse 55, where the Yahud requested to see Allah in plain sight. And they said, they said, that we will not believe in you, O Musa, up until we see Allah with our own eyes. Despite all of the miracles they really experienced and living in the time of a Prophet. Like Allah also said in Surah Tunisa, verse 153, Allah said, The people of the book asked you to bring down for them a book from heaven. Indeed, they asked Musa for him. Or why is not some treasure thrown down to him? Or why does he not have a garden from which to eat? So all these claims they made after experiencing the signs of Allah Azawajal. And these claims were only to show the audacity and arrogance to the Creator. And also the arrogance towards the messengers. So this is how they were with their messengers. They would ask for signs by way of causing annoyance and out of stubbornness not for the way of seeking signs so that they may be guided the aim was not to clarify the truth by way of these requests because the messengers had already brought such signs that led the people to believe Naam, the messengers came with ayatin bayinat yani signs which was entirely clear signs with truth which if the person who sought guidance experienced it and saw it they would be unable to reject it. So their aim was not to seek the truth because the messengers already had brought such signs that led the people to believe. Hence Allah Azawajal says, قَدْ Allah says, we have made the signs clear to the people who have faith. For the people who are certain in their faith, the, uh, the signs are clear. Allah sent a prophet. He sent a book. He gave this prophet miracles. How can one then reject it? Everyone who had certain faith had already come to know from the clear signs and proof of Allah that by means of which he developed certainty and warded of doubts. And this we mentioned also in the opening verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. Alif Lamim, ذَلِكَ الْكِتَابُ لَا رَيْبَ فِي It's a book wherein there is no doubt. So if there is no doubt in the book, it means it must be a book that the one who studies it and reads it and ponders over it, he reaches certainty by way of it. He reaches certainty by way of it. And this certainty, it wards off doubts. And this is followed by some concise brief verses where Allah Azrael mentions in the verse which follows. Allah says, Inna arsalnaka Allah says, Indeed, we have sent you. Inna arsalnaka. Indeed, we have sent you, O Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, 
Bashiran wa nadira as a giver of glad tidings and a warner and you will not be questioned regarding the dwellers of the Alfaya. you will not be asked regarding the dwellers of the Alfaya. so in this verse Allah Azawajal mentions to us yani, some very very important points some very very important points which prove the truthfulness of the message of Muhammad and the soundness of his message Allah says indeed we have sent you with the haqq, the truth as a bearer of glad tidings and a honor so this includes the signs that he brought which may be summed up in three things the signs which Muhammad came with it can be summed up in three things firstly the message itself Taib, the message itself secondly his akhlaq and his adab Taib, his conduct and his attitude and thirdly that which he came with of the Quran and the Sunnah Taib. so the first two matters meaning the message and his attitude and his conduct is mentioned in the part of the verse where Allah says inna arsalnaka we sent you so we sent you with a message and we sent you with upright conduct and the third which is the Quran in the Sunnah where Allah says inna arsalnaka bilhaqqi we sent you with the truth this is the Quran in the Sunnah so with regards to the first meaning the message itself it is well known the state of the earth before the coming of the Prophet the people were stooped in ignorance they were worshipping idols the Christians strayed from the pure teachings of the Injil they claimed and attributed that Allah Azza had a son and they worshipped as they claimed the son of Allah Nabi Isa and people were stooped in yani, idolatry and they altered their religions until they sunk into the darkness of disbelief which had encompassed them and overwhelmed them apart from some remnants of the people of the book who had vanished shortly before the Prophet's mission began there were people who clung towards the pure teachings of the Injil but just before the Prophet came they ceased to exist hence Allah Azza sent a Prophet so it is known that Allah Azza did not create humanity in vain and he did not neglect them or forsake them and this is according to his divine knowledge and his wisdom and also out of his mercy towards his slaves he sends messengers at different times to revive the message and bring the people back to the truth so he sent this great messenger Muhammad وسلم, to them to enjoin the worship of Allah upon them without any partner so hence by examining the message which the Prophet came with the person will realize that it is the message of truth as well as it remained a sign that indeed the Prophet must have been a messenger because he could not have come with this ulum, this knowledge contained in the Quran except that it must have come from a divine source so whoever analyzes the message which Muhammad came with will recognize the truthfulness of his claim of being a prophet Taib, the scientific miracles which is mentioned in there which many people come to Islam by way of it 
because they testify to the fact that a person 1400 years ago in the Arabian Peninsula could never have had access to this detailed knowledge which people only uncovered and discovered many many centuries after the Prophet ﷺ came with this message. With regards to the second matter, which is the conduct of the Prophet anyone who comes to know the Prophet we study the mannerisms, the adab of the Prophet, right? And we realize that he truly must have been a Prophet because of his high level of character. Taib, wa innaka la ala And indeed, certain you, O Messenger, are upon exalted standard of character. So we study all of the mannerisms of the Prophet the way he treated his wives, the way he interacted with his companions, the way he used to eat, the way he used to sleep, how he engaged in battle, and the laws which he set down for battle, that you cannot uproot any trees, you cannot fight a non-combatant, you can't kill all people. You will understand that his character was of an exalted rank and state. Most of the people in his time, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, those who had access to the Prophet first hand and saw yani, his nobility and his greatness. Taib, it becomes impossible for them to deny him as a Prophet and his message. But we know this was not the case. They were the first people to deny him when he came with his message. But if you studied his life before he became a Prophet and his life after a Prophet, that leads you to believe that he was a prophet. So Allah says, Inna arsalnaka, indeed we sent you. This means we sent you with a message and we sent you with upright conduct. Then Allah says, we sent you with the haqq. Inna arsalnaka bil haqqi. We sent you with the truth. And the truth is the laws of the Quran and the Sunnah, which contains akhbar, true stories stories of the nations which came before us. And these are not just mere stories, it is the ultimate truth. And the Quran enjoins good and forbids all kinds of evil, as well as astonishing miracles, all the signs that indicate that he truly is a prophet of Allah Azzawajal. It is mentioned in this verse, and this is the three categories. So whosoever analyzes the laws contained in the Quran, the commandments and the prohibitions, and the person is upon sound yani intellect. His intellect is upright, he has not been yani adulterated by philosophies and other religions. He will testify to the truth contained in the Quran. And that's why when the Bedouin was asked, what caused you to believe that Muhammad indeed was a messenger? He said that Muhammad never commanded me with anything. And my intellect never questioned. Questioned it saying, why didn't he rather command with something else? And he said the Prophet never forbade anything except that his intellect said to him yani, that this is the truth. Meaning that the fact that the Prophet prohibited this it means that there was evil in it and the sound mind testifies to this. Allah said in the verse Inna arsalnaka bil bashiran wa We sent you with a bearer of glad tidings and this means Glad tidings of the blessings in the life of this world. Glad tidings of barakat, blessings, and happiness in the life of this world. To those who obey 
And Allah Azza wa Jal also sent the Prophet as a nazir, as a warner of misery and doom in this world and the next if they disobey the Prophet And Allah Azza wa Jal, he closes up the verse and he says, وَلَا تُسْأَلُوا عَنْ أَصْحَابِ الْجَحِيمِ And you will not be asked concerning the inhabitants of the blazing fire. That is, you are not responsible for them. Your only duty is to convey the message. As for the hisab and the reckoning, it is upon us. Because this is something which grieved the Prophet The rejection of his people. Despite him coming with his message and bringing clear signs and proofs and evidences. And they rejecting it is something which grieved the Prophet So Allah Jal said, you will not be asked concerning the inhabitants of the fire. That is, you are not responsible for them. Your only duty is to convey the message and the reckoning is for us. And this is the same for any da'i and any person who find himself in the position of the Prophet And in essence, this is every Muslim. That it is only upon us, it is only upon us to convey the message. As for the acceptance of the message, this is up to Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who causes the hearts to be receptive to the message. And this is something very important because sometimes we feel it is upon us to cause the person to believe or cause the person to adopt a certain methodology and understanding. It's not up to us. It's only upon us to convey and Allah Azza wa Jal is the one who turns the hearts. So this is verse number one eighteen and um, one nineteen. And we can stop here inshallah. And tomorrow we'll pick up from verse one twenty Bitina Naktafi Biada Subhanakallahu Bihamdika Ashadu Allah Ila Ila Anta Astaghfiruka to Bilaikusalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.